and welcome to the Hurt Take. I am your host, Reese Dobigan, Mr. Solo Dolo, the Lone Ranger, the Nomad. Third week in a row, all alone, by myself, holding it down. It's okay, though. I've been enjoying it. I think I've been doing a good job. So we're going to keep this going for a little while longer. Starting to get used to the sound of my own voice. Sounds so good. Uninterrupted. (laughs) Welcome to the Hurt Take. Thank you very much for coming back. Sorry about that little rant I had to make at the beginning. I just, you know, get worked up sometimes. But I want to thank you very much for coming back for the most important episode in the history of the Hurt Take because the single most important anticipated topic we have been dreaming of talking about this for months, years. It's finally happened. It has finally come true. Chris Cyborg Santos is fighting for the 145-pound belt. Yes! Yes! Finally! Oh, I'm sorry. That's not what you were waiting for me to say. That's not what we're here to talk about. Although we will talk about it, but that is not the big news, the biggest news in the MMA world. You got it right, people. You know what it is. Conor McGregor, baby. Conor McGregor has signed on the dotted line to fight Floyd Mayweather Jr. Holy shit. I mean, this is... Never thought it would happen. Never say never. You know, I always remind myself, never say never. Peyton Manning wasn't a Colt anymore. I said, never say never. LeBron James left the Cleveland Cavaliers. I said, never say never. He went back to the Cavaliers. I said, never say never. And I said, Floyd Mayweather and Conor McGregor McGregor would never fight. I said it. And now it's about to happen. There is so much to talk about with this. I can't even begin to scratch the surface. So, what we know, August 26th, The T-Mobile Arena, or apparently, we don't know that, apparently Ice Cube's Big 3 Basketball League has it booked the same night. Like, who the f... Who cares about the Big 3 Basketball League? Who cares about Ice Cube anymore, for God's sakes? Nobody saw Are We There Yet, okay? The most popular Ice Cube has been was when somebody else played him in Straight Outta Compton. Nobody cares. Get out. Leave the T-Mobile Arena for the big boys. We want to see Connor and Floyd. They'll be fighting at uh, 154 pounds, 10-ounce gloves. I have not seen what size the ring will be, but I am assuming that all all the home field advantage will go to Floyd. He's always been a guy who's been very uh, stressed, all those things. So I'm assuming it's going to be a pretty big ring. Big enough ring for Floyd Mayweather to run around in. So here's the thing about this fight, people. Some people are going to say it's a freak show. The boxing people will tell you it's a freak show, especially. This isn't a freak show. This isn't this is not a freak show. This is a hype show. Okay? 
I do not expect this to be much of a contest. I think anyone who knows enough about combat sports and has watched enough combat sports understands that Conor McGregor is a barracuda swimming in the feeding grounds of great white sharks right now. He is out of his element, and he's out of his element against Jaws. All right? The biggest, baddest great white shark there is. He's out of his element. I don't expect it to be much of a contest. But this is the most hyping of a fight you will ever see in your life. The hype around this fight is going to be incredible. There is going to be so much, so much noise around this thing. This is a hype show. This is a hype show. A freak show at least has a payoff, I feel. This is a hype show. The payoff is the hype. Okay, we're going to be more excited talking about this than we will, we will be watching the actual fight. It's kind of strange. We've reached, we've reached this point in, in sports, combat sports especially, MMA in particular, where, where the, the, the hype is so much a part of the thing, even more important. You know, if this fight had been announced today and it was happening on Saturday, the pay-per-view buys wouldn't be that big. There wouldn't be enough time to, to hype it and get people on board who otherwise wouldn't really care. If this fight had happened two years ago, neither one of these guys would be in a position in which it would be a fight that matters at all. The buys wouldn't be the same. But it is happening now. This is a thing like we have never seen in sports before. That, in and of itself, is worth something, whether the fight's good or not. But I always adhere to public enemy. I think they put it best. Don't, don't believe the hype. Here's why. As excited as I am, I, I, I can't even begin to analyze the matchup. I can barely begin to analyze how this is. This is like being an NFL general manager and trying to predict how an offensive lineman who plays in a a college wing T offense is going to play in a pro style offense on the professional level. It's so hard to evaluate how one is going to make the jump to the next level. This is judging a fantasy novel like Lord of the Rings on the same merits as the genealogy of morality by Nietzsche. They're not even in the same category. Floyd and Connor are not even in the same category. They literally do not compete in these in the same sport. As close as those sports may be, they don't even compete in the same sport. You know, we had, oh, hey, Jared Hayne. He was one of the best Aussie rules football players in the world. He barely cracked the 49ers roster as a running back a couple years ago. Different sport. Close enough. Not the same. I mean, let's just start from the top, okay? Jim Lampley, the fantastic boxing commentator and analyst, He's made some great points about McGregor's habits as an MMA fighter and how, I mean, we can't even begin to predict what he is as a boxer. He, in MMA, he's a counterfighter. Uh, I think he averages, Lampley pointed out, he averages about 42 strikes around, okay? Mayweather's toughest tests were against brawlers who averaged 70 to 80 per round, and that's in three-minute rounds, not five. So if you, if you do the math, Conor McGregor in a boxing match, would be throwing about 25 punches around. That's lethargic. That is 
so few punches. That's, I don't even know how to describe, but that is very slow pace. You know, do we even know if Connor has the cardio to hold up for 12 rounds? You know, his greatest asset is his power. If he doesn't have the cardio to go 12 rounds, his, his power could be done within five or six rounds. And then what? Then it's 18 minutes. 18 minutes of watching Conor McGregor chase Floyd Mayweather around the ring. You know, Mike Winklejohn, he pointed out, hey, you know, Conor might have a chance early if he does something unconventional or unexpected. But also says if that doesn't work out, Mayweather would figure out McGregor's game very quickly and it would be all downhill from there. So we can't even begin to analyze this matchup. People smarter than me don't even know what to say about this. It's all conjecture. It's all it's all projection. I mean, it's who knows how it's going to go. I just know that I'm excited. I'm excited. Listen, there is there is not going to be anything else that night that is going to make me not watch this fight. Maybe if there's a great movie released that week. But heck, I'll just go see it on Sunday. I think our, I think our, our friend of the show, Mitch Bayless, said, hey, if there's an amazing concert happening in town, that's probably all that would drag me away from this fight. There's nothing else that's going to happen on a Saturday night that will drag me away from this fight. What, a CFL? CFL game? No. Now, one last word we have to say, okay? About Conor McGregor, the man. As, 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 as much as there's the cult of, of Mystic Mac and there's some people who buy into everything he sells, they think he's a mystic, they think it doesn't matter. They're the cult of Connor. They drank the Kool-Aid. The man knows how to play his cards as well, if not better, than almost any professional athlete I can recall. He, his... He is so adept at the promotion and the business game. It's transcendent. It's transcendent. He is, there's nobody else like him. We talk about how there's no one, guys just need to talk more. No, he has a mind for the promoting game. Like some of the best promoters who, who that's all they do. The Bob Arams of the world, the uh, Don Kings of the world, Dana White's of the world, the Vince McMahon's of the world. Conor McGregor is that good. You know, and like, like, a, like, as a tech guy, like Steve Jobs, Steve Jobs had the foresight to know that down the road, the iPhone would be the thing years and years later. And he made it happen. He willed it into existence. He knew that was the direction things were going. And this feels like that with Conor McGregor. It's like he, it's like he knew that was the direction this game was going and he built it there. He knew he he felt he was the only person who could get it there, and he did it. Obviously, winning had a lot to do with that, but think about it this way. The first time he really mentioned anything about Floyd Mayweather was in an Esquire piece on April 16th, 2015. He talked about how he could beat Mayweather in 30 seconds, take him down. He has fought only five times since then. And now we're talking about the biggest money fight of all time. Five fights. There are guys who fight 200 amateur boxing matches before they even 
get a sniff of a big payday. There are guys who fight 40 professional boxing matches before they even catch a whiff of a big payday. He is about to make more money than any other boxer has ever, has ever made other than Floyd Mayweather. The purse is going to be huge, and he's only fought five times since he really kind of began hyping this. That is m meteorical by any measurement. That is an incredible surge. I don't think I don't think we're ever going to see. I mean, this is this is overused. There's a lot of people out there. I shouldn't say this is over you. There's a lot of people out there that we will never see another version of them again, right? You know, there's never going to be another Tom Brady. There's never going to be uh, uh, another Tiger Woods. There's, there's never going to be another Conor McGregor. He's a once-in-a-lifetime once guy. The way he combines all the elements of the game. We're never going to see it again. So you're damn right I'm going to be watching August 26th. But I am not buying the hype. Now, some hype that I definitely was not buying. We talked about it on the show last week. Holly Holm versus Betch Cohea was not buying that hype. And it looks like that was the right decision. Kind of a pedantic affair. Holly Holm played the out, out game. Betch Cohea... Not good enough. People booed. And then Holly Holm knocked her out unceremoniously, and that was that. Here is a perfect example of why you don't buy the hype. Holly Holm was marketed and hyped by the UFC. The UFC built the narrative that her boxing is amazing. She's this incredible boxing talent. She has nine KOs in 33 boxing matches. That is not a lot. But her greatest weapon in MMA has been her head kick. She's finished, I think, four or five of her fights by head kick. Famously, Ronda Rousey. She doesn't use her fists. But if you listen to the UFC, she's an amazing boxer. Nah. So don't believe the hype all the time. Don't believe what the UFC sometimes sells you, okay? Don't buy wolf tickets. The other thing this fight did was it revealed the tremendous limitations in Kohea's game and the women's game by extension right now. You know, Kohea's a top 10 fighter, but she had no idea how to pressure in this fight, the same way she hasn't in any of her previous fights. She had no idea how to put home in a position where she could hit her Home just danced around and got away the same way Ronda Rousey couldn't do it. And that's not because Holly Holm is necessarily this incredible outfighter. She's, you know, probably one of the best outfighters in the women game, but Kohea is not the athlete she is. She doesn't have the skills. And that's it. The, the women's game is still growing. I'm a fan of the women's game, don't get me wrong. I love... Joanny and Jay check and, and the the one fifteen pound division I think is really quite exciting. But other than that, it's pretty thin. The talent pool is thin. The skill level is still shallow, but it is moving quickly. And I think two or three years from now, it's going to make a huge jump. Let's hope.
But right now, right now, the biggest women's fight in MMA has been booked. And it has nothing to do with the woman who currently was holding, or was holding, was the current champion, or past tense, she was the 145 champ. Now not. Jermaine Durandamy stripped of the featherweight belt, the 145 pelt, says she learned by social media. The UFC released a statement. She's been stripped. There was some waffling on her part about, you know, she had broken hand, and then she had concerns about Cyborg, her PED history, so she kind of waffled on whether she was even going to stay at 145 or whether she was going to go down to 135. So the UFC released a statement. The UFC has informed Jermaine Durandamy and her management team that she is being removed as the women's featherweight champion due to her unwillingness to fight the number one ranked contender, Chris Cyborg Santos. Subsequently, top contender Justino will face newly signed Invicta FC featherweight champion Megan Anderson for the UFC women's featherweight title in the co-main event of UFC 214, Cormier vs. Jones, July 29th in Anaheim, California. Now here's the best part, people. The UFC maintains that any champion is expected to accept fights against the top contenders in their respective weight classes in order to maintain the integrity of the sport. Really? Well, I don't think Michael Bisping has done that lately. Don't think Conor McGregor has really done that lately. Gosh. Hasn't exactly applied in some situations, huh? But that's besides the point. It looks like the UFC now is more than ever willing to just pull belts, create interim belts, or pull belts entirely. I mean, this is, this is amazing that they, they just pulled the belt off her entirely. Who knows why? I mean, if Jermaine Durandamy was was behind closed doors very... Very much refusing this fight. I can understand it. But at the same time, this is a pretty big step. Now, Cyborg versus Anderson, that'll be an exciting fight. Anderson's the Invicta champ, the, the belt that Justino held, that Cyborg held, and now it's a sort of a unification. And, and perhaps, finally, someone will give Cyborg a real test. We will wait and see. We will wait and see. July 29th. Now, this is something that, that I'll touch on a little bit briefly, but it's something I think the UFC should be doing or a direction that they are really heading into. In order to promote their fighters, they clearly have not, have not been shy about creating interim belts for the purpose of promoting. Max Holloway, for example, he won the interim belt when Jose Aldo was holding the belt that was kind of Conor McGregor's, and then either way, they create an interim belt purely to promote a pay-per-view. That seemed to be the agenda. The UFC should do more of that. I think that they should bridge the gap between a few weight classes, create a few more belts, and it would open up the system to have more champion versus champion fights, fights that you can hype more easily, that you can promote more easily. You know, hey, oh, TJ Dillashaw doesn't want to fight uh, or Demetrius Johnson doesn't want to fight TJ Dillashaw for the 125 belt. 
Well, how about you create a 130 belt? TJ Dillashaw gets a crack at that. He wins it. Great. Super fight. 125, 130. Either way, champion versus champion fight. I mean, it works a little bit better at levels between which there are more significant weight gaps, such as welterweight and middleweight. What about a 177-pound belt? What about a belt between um, 185 and 205, a 195-pound belt? It would make sense to me. You could create some more fights. GSP. Okay, so you don't want to give him a middleweight title fight. But if you want a 178-pound title fight, and then he bumped up to fight GSP, uh, to fight Michael Bisbing at middleweight, well, there you go. Champion versus champion. It's a bit more promotion. Don't know about the integrity of the sport, because ultimately, if I think it's just to promote, then that's what the UFC would be doing, or just to promote, really. But it would allow fighters to build up resumes in other divisions. You know? You can fight three fights at uh, 178 and then drop back down and, and fight a couple times at 170, where what have you, wherever your career may take you. Guys are already, you know, guys and girls, they already jump between weight classes anyways. You know, it's been a popular thing to go from 155 to 170. So, why not? Why not create more straps, more interim belts? Now, just some news and notes for the week. Just some things I've been thinking about. Most of it's from this UFC fight night this weekend. First, Colby Covington. Begging for a title fight. Not a good look. Colby, not a good look. You can't beg for a title fight after a stalemate wrestling match. If this is one thing the fighters could improve on or could learn from Conor McGregor from... It's knowing how to strike when the iron is hot. It's knowing how to strike at the right time. It's knowing when to open your mouth at the right time. Colby Covington does not know when to open his mouth at the right time. He got booed. He got booed because he was begging for a title fight. I'm not saying he's not deserving of a top five guy, but after that, yikes. When will the UFC bonus call-outs end? Walt Harris, another guy, basically begged the UFC for a bonus. I mean, it was a bad enough look when Max Holloway called for a bonus after beating Aldo. You know, get me that money. I mean, that, that feels like... That has been one of the worst traits in the UFC. That used to happen back in 07, 09, uh, 07, 08, 09, and those years where, you know, guys were drinking the UFC cooler, but guys are still doing it. When will it end? It does not make anybody look good to beg for money. I know I keep bringing him up, but Conor McGregor never went in there and begged for money. He's the kind of guy who says, I don't need their $50,000. I'm the champion. $50,000? Fuck that. I'm going to make $200,000 in my next fight. And then all of a sudden it's like he does. Guys need to know. How to say the right thing and stop begging. Begging makes you look weak. Goodbye, Andre Arlovsky. Another loss. It now officially looks like his uh, second run uh, in the UFC will probably come to a close very soon. Andre Arlovsky 
will miss you. The greatest one-handed fighter ever. So one-handed. Such a one-handed... He was a right-handed guy. So one-handed, he... He developed in his later uh, later part of his career here a backhanded punch with his right hand because he didn't even want to throw a left. He threw a right, and then if he found himself his, his, himself out of position across the plane of his body, he would backhand people across the face. That's how one-handed he is. Arlovsky, very famous for a lot of fights in which he lost his the knockout against Fedor back when people thought that was his prime. His fight against Travis Brown. He's had some great fights. We will miss you. This is likely the end. Another fighter. Who it is likely the end for. Whatever happened to Takanori Gomi? The fireball kid. The king of pride. Whatever happened to you, Takanori Gomi? We got you in the UFC too late. We got you too late in the UFC. It's a shame. It's a shame. Also goes out. Can't see how many fights he's got left in him in the UFC. I don't know. In the last couple notes, more somber notes, Canadian MMA fighter Tim Haig passed away after after uh, injuries suffered in a fight against Adam Braidwood, a former CFL player. Um, Haig fought in the UFC last in 2011, didn't have a particularly great career, but it's very sad, very tragic. Every time, this is a this is a very dangerous sport. You know, we all know it. We all know it. Uh, details at the moment are, are a bit scarce, but it, it did not seem like he should have been in there. By all accounts, it didn't seem like he was training enough. Uh, it did not seem like he had enough of a background comparatively to Adam Braidwood in boxing. My guess is that it was you know, probably a last-minute call-up. I don't know that, so I'm speculating here, but probably never should have been in there. You know, but commissions, they make fights happen all the time. You know? what, while we might think that the McGregor-Mayweather fight is, is, is great and amazing, the fact that it, it's been sanctioned is a bit of a travesty, considering the experience difference between the two guys. But that fight is worth a lot of money, you know? Tim Hague versus Adam Braidwood in fights like that. Dada 5000 versus um, Kimbo Slice. Fights like that. These guys aren't making $100 million. These guys aren't stimulating the local economy. And now someone like Tim Hague is dead. Kind of for what? A bit of a paycheck? Sell a few more tickets maybe? Who knows? Sad. But it's the sport these guys signed up for. It's not perfect. No sport is perfect. It's just unfortunate that with collision sports like combat sports, football, hockey, things like that, the consequences, the risks are greater. So our thoughts and prayers to Tim Haig, his family, unfortunate. Not something you want to see happen. And secondly, another downer, Unfortunate Matt Hughes. Um, news is he's doing okay, but he was um, severely injured in a car accident. He was hit by a train. Word is he's okay. His family has released a statement that essentially said he's doing, he's doing fine. Um, he's on a respirator. Hope that he makes a, 
a good recovery. You know, uh, he was in the news a bit lately, thinking about a comeback, but obviously that's that should be a secondary discussion at this point. The man's a legend. The man's a legend. And um, more than just being a legend, he's far too young to have his life hang in the balance. So our thoughts and prayers are with Matt Hughes and his family. Sucks to have to end an episode with tragic news like that. That is the that is the world as the world we live in. That is the sport we love though. And sometimes the things you love have dark sides, especially in the case of Tim Haig, so unfortunate. But I want to thank you all for coming back for listening to the Hurt Take this week. Come back next week and listen to the best damn podcast on mixed martial arts. Check out some of our work on notthepublicbroadcaster.com. This is the MMA podcast for the fans by the fans. I am your host, Reese Dobigan. I am out. Thank you.